This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. It's time for another roundup of big environmental news from the month past with the co-founders of environmental journalism portal Makaranga, Lao Yahua and Wong Siu Lin. So this month, we're going to look at a couple of big legal cases involving indigenous communities and their long-standing struggle for customary land rights in Malaysia before moving on to discuss the recent Court of Appeal judgment in favour of a cement manufacturer in the Gunung Kantan area in Pera. Finally, we're going to discuss Malaysia's National Energy Transition Roadmap, what that might look like, all this and more. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Good, thank you. Oh, it's like last week of September and then getting to the year end. It's like, oh, new year faster, come. <laughs> and we just caught up very recently as well, isn't it? Uh, Yahua, you were very yeah, busy yeah. for the Rare Earth story and you were very busy with the webinar as well. So I'm sure you, yeah, you both look very like you've had enough of everything. But yeah, still, <laughs> still going strong. We have strong. the face for radio today. Yes, yes, definitely. That's my face every day. Anyway, so, okay, let's get straight to it then, guys. So uh, Orang Asli Land Wars, yeah? A couple of cases. There was the one with a white be Olio, and that's a story that you guys covered, isn't it? Uh, involving uh, indigenous land rights as well. You know, people not sure about what they signed and all of that. There was, of course, the uh, very important case of Samling withdrawing their defamation suit against uh, Save Rivers. Uh, Yahua, you want to take it away? Yeah. So you know, I think many of us would have heard about what is you know definitely good news for the indigenous uh, communities uh, over in Sarawak. You know, for for them, you know, to have a uh, Sumbling withdrawn the defamation suit against uh, Safe Rivers there. But at the same time, there are several other cases, legal suits or, or judicial review. And I think we would just like to bring this to everyone's attention because I think we should be expecting a few more of this of such cases, if, if not many more. So in this one, in Pahang, of course, there is this conflict between local indigenous communities of the Tamok tribe against uh, this plantation company, YP Olio, that has been given lease of the land and their you know, application to clear the forest and to develop oil palm plantation has been approved by the government, by the federal uh, department of environment and then also by the state government. And now the villagers there uh, from Kampung Masao and Kampung Barangoy, they filed a judicial review against this decision, against this approval uh, back in March, uh, just a few months ago. And the next hearing for that judicial review is in late November, right? So this is challenging the decision of this approval of the of the project. Basically, they are challenging the decision, saying that it did not do all the due diligence mm -hmm. when it comes to protection of the uh, environment and then the rights of the communities there. Um, separately, the villagers have also filed a civil suit. That's a separate suit also against uh, the developer and some of the same respondents. So there are you know two cases going on there. I guess as uh, many more of the development, not just for logging or oil palm plantation, but also perhaps for, for mining. And I suspect also, you know, we're going to talk about this with the National Energy Transition Roadmap. Also, with you know, claiming some of the land for other development purposes, for energy purposes or for agriculture purposes, it's going to come into conflict with many indigenous communities. You know, I already know that there's like groundwork to prepare for several other cases. So it's just something that we, we need to keep an eye out on and just to be aware of, yeah. Yeah, I just also want to add to that, that uh, at Parliament, you know, as part of the debate on the midterm review for the 12th Malaysia Plan, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister, who is also the Rural Minister, also announced that uh, they're going to relook at the Aboriginal Peoples Act of 1954. So uh, amongst one of the things they're going to be looking at would be marriage, 
uh, and divorce of Aurang Asli, but they're also going to be looking at land ownership. I'm just going to be quoting, uh, you know, from, from one of the news reports that the review of Act 134, which is that act, right, uh, needs to be studied comprehensively as it involves differences as well as overlapping authorities involving the federal and state governments. So this is, you know, something to be uh, keeping a very close eye on uh, in terms of uh, the land rights of Orang Asli. Okay. All right. And um, moving on to another case uh, involving the Gunung Kantan area, right, in Pera, where we know that it's one of the last 12 remaining limestone hills in the Kinta Valley National Geopark, home to endangered species, but also home to a, a century-old monastery, right? And they recently lost their appeal against a, uh, a cement manufacturer. Uh, can you tell us more about what happened there? I think we've covered this before as well, you know, years ago. And basically, it is a, a monastery that has taken root in this Gunung Kantan, uh, which is a, a wonderful, or was, a wonderful limestone hill in Pera. Mm-hmm. And and basically, there's been, uh, they've gone to court. I think they tried to settle it outside of court, but they've also now gone to court uh, because of a fight over whether they, they get the right to remain within that uh, limestone hill. Uh, so the New Straits Times has covered this quite well. So they actually won a previous judgment uh, that allowed them to stay. But then on the 5th of September, the Court of Appeals uh, reversed that High Court judgment. And actually, it was a unanimous decision in favour of the Associated Pan-Malaysian Cement. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it's a uh, subsidiary of YTL Cement, and it really is a, a land dispute case, basically. Previously, it was said that the High Court had previously said that the monastery was allowed to occupy the, the land with the implied consent right, of, of this uh, cement company, as well as its predecessor. So it's a little bit messy because there's another company, another company took over, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and also the other part, yes, as you had mentioned, uh, Juliet, is it's part of the Quinta Valley National Geopark. Now, there's a difference between National Geoparks and the UNESCO Geopark, which is what Langkawi is. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I think Kinabalu was recently listed uh, as a UNESCO uh, Geopark as well. And the, the terms for that, uh, for conservation, are much stricter. Whereas the National Geopark, the terms, it's more for tourism rather than for conservation. Okay. Yeah? Okay. So that's one thing. Now, of course, temples in caves and, and para caves are riddled with uh, all sorts of temples and they keep on coming up. And one of the contentious issues is that these should the temples be there at all? If we are talking about biodiversity and stuff like that, you know, there are some conservationists, uh, and, and in the, again, the New Straits Times reported that the Para Heritage Society president has kind of said that both the temple and the quarry should actually move out because of the biodiversity conservation. So let's look at what sort of stuff is there. As you had mentioned, uh, that there are some very precious things there. And, and, and the wonderful thing about limestone ecosystems is that there are plants that only grow in those very specific uh, parts of the, the limestone hill. And it's just amazing for Gunung Tantan, there are at least five species that are named after the hill, you know. So they are endemic flora. They are actually critically endangered, right? So they are flowering plants. Dare I try and uh, pronounce the scientific names? Meogai cantonensis uh, and Gymnostachium cantonensis. If you're a scientist who understands how to pronounce this, forgive me, please. And there's also a diplocarp, it's a tree, a Vatica cantonensis, right? The paper was published uh, in 2014 only. It was uh, discovered by Frim. And they are known for, from, from very small, even within Kantan, very small restricted populations, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that we have the famous spider, the Lephistius cantonensis, again, named after Gunung Kantan, and the lizard also named after Kantan. Okay. 
And I think the latest I heard was the Perak government have actually set up a special committee, isn't it, to look into the eviction of the of the Buddhist monastery. So yeah, I think there's a lot of things. It's not quite fully settled yet. I think there will be more news coming out from there, yeah? Yeah, it certainly got a lot of media attention. So yeah. So just moving on to uh, our next story that we want to cover. So that's on the National Energy Transition Roadmap. Some talk of uh, nuclear power as well. I mean, because we do know that uh, the government had a, they launched the second part of the two-part uh, roadmap, right? That was what, in late August, I want to say. And there's no mention of the word nuclear. And this was reported in Malaysia Kini, but both the Economy Minister and the uh, Natural Resources and Environment and Climate Change Minister have said that the nuclear option is still on the cards. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so I think it was launched, uh, the National Energy Transition Roadmap was uh, launched late July, but then only recently we get more articles, you know, reviewing the roadmap and discussing the roadmap. I guess this is definitely something that will go all the way up up to 2050. I mean, it's, uh, it's the energy transition is needed because Malaysia has set a goal of uh, becoming net zero as early as 2050. And energy production contributes to the bulk of our greenhouse gas emission. So definitely we need to uh, lower the carbon footprint of our energy production. And this National Energy Transition Roadmap is supposed to bring us there. The gist of it is that uh, by 2050, the plan is to totally phase out coal power, which coal power still, I think, supplies, I think, like 20% of our energy, somewhere around that just behind natural gas. So by 2050 to phase out coal power and by 2050 to increase renewable energy in our energy supply to 23%. Currently, we are only at four. Mm -hmm. So that's a big jump. So those two things, I think, stand out to me the most. So it definitely sounds good. Of course, plenty of challenges. The roadmap itself uh, lists out those challenges. We have talent challenges, governance challenges, technology challenges, and then financing challenges, of course. But I think we can overcome those. There is also a concern about, the more I read about these things, the, the more difficult it is to find an actual clean energy transition. It's like, what is clean, clean? Every time I find something is clean, then people bring up something about human rights or a justice transition. Or, you know, it's clean here, but not clean somewhere else, you know. And, and there are so many alternatives. It's really difficult. I found it very difficult to understand a lot of it. And it's coming it's so fast and so diverse. I'm just sharing things that I think we should really look out for or think about, like waste. The minister, uh, Wabinik Nasmi, said in parliament last week on 18 September, he said that if everything goes as planned and we greatly expand our solar power capacity uh, installed in our country, we will be dealing with 40 million tons of uh, solar panel waste. So 40 million tons of uh, solar panel waste. As of now, they are just categorized as general waste. So definitely we need to come up with better ways of managing this waste or you know somehow reusing them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just one aspect of the challenge that, that is there. And it's good that the government is talking about it. And you mentioned nuclear. Nuclear is a very, uh, I guess, controversial thing, very sensitive thing. And my recent public presentation of uh, on, on Fukushima, the treated wastewater from there, really brought to me uh, like, wow, okay, people have very different understanding of things like this. Every time we talk about nuclear, it's very sensitive. However, the I can't remember the the agency's name. I think it's Nuclear Agency Malaysia. So they have always been looking at the potential of using nuclear energy in Malaysia. And 
I mentioned it here just because it is one alternative to sort of like lower the carbon emission of our energy production. Recently, Malaysia can uh, produce what I find is quite a good explainer on this thing called, I think it's small modular reactor, which I did not know about. So it just brings to mind that, yeah, there's so many alternatives out there. We really sort of like need to look at, consider them, right? Mm. And the ministers did say that too. All this aside, and then also with the recent variety of thing, all this new sort of like, no, new as in quote, quotation, new technology and, and use coming in, it, it even makes it more important like how well we communicate all this to the public. Even to me, like like I installed smart meters at my house, but actually I have no idea what benefits does it bring me. Like how has it changed my energy consumption? Even something like that, I don't even know. So I realized that uh, technology aside, knowledge aside, we all really need to do a better job at communicating all these changes and really address the trust deficit that is there, even for journalists. I'm beginning to find that it's also a trust deficit for journalists, towards journalists, I mean, towards journalists. Oh, towards, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, yeah i just like to add this thing about how clean should something be. And I, I think, you know, standards and, and all that kind of thing requires some sort of purity. Otherwise, what, do we stick on with uh, oil and gas? Is that what we do? Because there's no alternative that's clean enough. I think that should be the question that everybody should be asking themselves. You know, do we wait? I think the IPCC report, again, I might have mentioned this before, IPCC reports it like, let's move on to EVs, uh, electric vehicles. And then in Malaysia, like most of our power comes from coal, which is dirty. Yeah. So does that mean that we don't move on to EVs? Is the government making a big mistake by putting buses and public transport vehicles onto EVs? And I think the IPCC report basically said no. Just move on because we have to get started, you know. Um, so looking for some sort of pure answer might not be the way. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I'm afraid we just ran out of time. But uh, as always, you know, folks, if you'd like to find out more about the good work that uh, both Yahua and Siulin do, just head to makaranga.org, uh, become a supporter. All that information is on the website. My thanks again to both my guests. I was speaking to Lau Yahua and Wong Siulin, co-founders of Makaranga. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.